Uh, hello, my name is Daniel Byman, and I'm with Georgetown University in Brookings, and I'm here today with Molly Salzkog of the Sufan Center. And uh, we thought we would discuss the role of Russia and other great powers um, in the terrorism context. So, uh, Molly, let me kick things off with you. Um, you know, what's your thinking on this topic? Uh, I think it's a, a it's a very fascinating and timely um, topic, uh, especially when we think about how a lot of large part of the U.S. government is refocusing its um, resources and efforts and expertise to, I guess, what we now call the strategic competition with China and other um, that I would call the great power competition. And Russia is definitely included in that, given the China-Russia alignment that is going on. And I think as we as you know, you have done excellent work in the space looking at the rise um, and the, the threat of far-right extremism in this transnational network. And and I've also been looking into specific um, um, groups and organizations that take part in this transnational network. And Russia always keeps popping up. It's like, you know, two or three degrees removed, but there is some operational, uh, you know, assistance. There is some uh, some funding assistance. And so I think it's hard to not uh, focus at least tangentially on Russia as we examine, examine this emerging threat. So one thing that has interested me is to kind of think of the range of Russian activities, um, but imagine they were being done by Iran. So mm -hmm. Russia has assassinated dissidents in foreign countries. And when Iran did that, we rightly called it terrorism. Uh, Russia has worked with the Lebanese Hezbollah um, in the Syrian civil war. And of course, uh, the United States considers Hezbollah a terrorist organization and slams Iran and other countries for working with it. Um, Russia has uh, worked with a range of militant groups in Ukraine, which downed a civilian airline. Um, and so there's a lot of activity that Russia does that, um, you know, if other powers were doing it, we might call terrorism. And then you add to it Russia's role in working with a, a very wide array of far-right groups and individuals, most of which is simply intended to kind of divide and weaken the West and turn it against itself, but some of these individuals could turn violent. And so I think it's useful to think in terms of terrorism with regard to at least some of what Russia is up to these days. I, you're absolutely right. And some of these individuals that they, you, you know, that Russia has been involved with, um, Again, I'm saying a couple of degrees removed um, through the Russian imperial movement, mostly uh, has actually committed acts of violence. Um, if you remember the the first far right organization that the that the State Department designated as especially designated global terrorist organization in April of last year was the Russian imperial movement, and they trained two Swedish na uh, nationals who were members of the Nordic resistance movement. Um, in camps outside of St. Petersburg. And these two individuals went back to their home country and committed far-right uh, terrorism acts, bombings of asylum shelters. So how do you think, um, uh, Daniel, how should we approach our relationship when, when keeping this in mind? Or what is the role of the intelligence community in, in, in thinking about this further, or even the research community? So a, a lot of it is, of course, simply documenting what Russia is up to, which from my point of view has been exceptionally difficult just because I can catch, catch bits and fragments, but it's really hard to get a sense of the whole picture. Um, I would say for the US government and governments in general, a lot of it is, is aggressively calling Russia out on this and really uh, trying to you know, 
put pressure on Russia, um, again, ideally in a concerted way to make it clear that this behavior is not acceptable. But as we've learned, you know, that doesn't work too well with Russia. It's more than willing to defy an international consensus in terms of how it's going to behave. But um, the hope would be that by pushing Russia, it would also make European governments, uh, important companies like social media companies, more willing to stand up to Russia because they would all be doing it together. Right now, Russia can pick on the weaklings and mm. there needs to be a sense of a degree of unity. Um, we only have a minute or so left, Molly, but I also wanted to ask you, uh, you've thought about China in this space as well, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, and it goes back full circle to what I said in the beginning of this conversation. Um, we published a report earlier this year that actually looked at foreign amplification of QAnon content in 2021 um, on Facebook, actually. And we saw that China actually overtook Russia in amplifying QAnon content on Facebook at the end of 2020 and at the beginning of 2021. So again, I think this goes back to there, there are a lot of major powers that are we see as our adversaries in the United States, here in the United States, that use non-state actors to score political goal, po political points, excuse me. So we can't diverse great power competition and counterterrorism. Uh, one thing I worry about um, even more is that um, there are countries around the globe that are exceptionally vulnerable to this because um, they themselves have, I'll say, more um, fragile politics, that there are more militant and aggressive groups within their countries. And I worry that there's whole sort of dark politics going on, and that's going to be something that the world and democratic world has to confront. Absolutely. Thank you for the, for the fascinating talk.